Good morning. Uh, Pastor Scott's not here today. Uh, I think he's been, he's been gone uh, three weeks, three Sundays. Uh, he will be back next week, and uh, uh, just looking forward to having him back in the fold. A little over a week ago, America celebrated and participated in a national holiday. Anybody know what that holiday was? Thanksgiving? That's a good guess. Uh, that's not the holiday I'm thinking of, though. That holiday, in some cases, starts at 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day and runs through the day on Friday. However, if you weren't participating in it from the get-go, you probably didn't receive the best it has to offer. It was a simple lesson in the early bird gets the worm, meaning that on Black Friday, if you got to the store the earliest, you were able to capitalize on the best gifts for a certain item and for a great price. All the hype in the TV commercials or the extra ads you get in that 40-pound newspaper the Sunday before um, adds to this hype. All the planning and strategizing that goes into which direction do I go first or what store do we go to or who goes after what or how many should I grab. I've seen people grab more than they need, so they trade with other people who grabbed another item or two more than they need. But sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes stores have people standing by special items, only allowing customers to take a specified number of the special items. And then you have that stack of TVs that everybody wants. Yeah, you know the ones. The 70 plus inch flat screen TV that's been the center of the advertisements for the last three weeks. So you get to the store early but you get lined up in the juice section with a stack of TVs about 20 yards in front of you. And they got a starting line there. They got ribbon across it. But not only do they have one line for the TVs, no. Some manager thought it'd be a good idea to put lines on all four sides so you meet in the middle, thinking it would allow an opportunity for more people to get a TV. So you're standing in line waiting for 6 p.m., or whenever time it starts. And as you stand there, being a good Christian that you are, you're looking around at the other people and you're thinking, no, you're kind of strategizing. And as I look up, who do I see in the line straight across of me? Of me? It's Bill Harper. And he's pointing at me and he's doing one of these things to me, you know. And he, and he looks at me and he pounds his fist on his chest as if he's going to intimidate me, you know. So I think, what's it going to take? What do I need to do to get one of those TVs? Am I bigger? Am I faster or stronger than the people in those other lines? Or maybe I just need to be a bigger person. Maybe I need to be a better person and make sure my foot accidentally trips the competition. <laughs> and then we have this domino effect with several people getting hung up. So the bell rings, the foot comes out, and it worked perfectly. People fall in everywhere. Now there's nothing between me and the finish line, or should I say me and my prize. So I, as I move closer to the TV, from out of nowhere, the song from Queen starts playing, We Are the Champions. And confetti starts to fall. 
And people are all, on all sides of me are cheer, cheering on me. At last, I reach the display, and I reach out and grab one of the TVs. But then I realize that two other sets of hands are glued to the box as well. And one of them is Bill Harper's. <clears throat> and for a moment, time seems to stop. And I think, what am I doing getting so caught up in this mayhem? This isn't how I'm supposed to treat other people. And I look at the other people with compassion as I rip the prize out of their hands and I raise the TV above the air and I prayed it around like I just won the Super Bowl or something. <clears throat> Whatever it took, I was going to get that present for my family. So maybe I embellished a little bit, maybe just a little. And uh, truthfully, I've only been on one Black Friday, and that was enough for me. I, I survived. I'm good. I'm not going back. But uh, uh, I don't think I'm too far off of the truth in some cases. You see, if you watch the news, you see people just going crazy, and you see fights and riots starting over a TV or the, or the next best toy. You see grown adults fighting over that frozen doll that they need to get for their kid. It's not right. You see the chaos and anxiety of, or insanity of people not acting the way that we should treat other people just to receive a special gift. People take great amount of time planning their night out and where to be at what time to get that special present for that great price. The buildup and the hype leading up to this night kind of makes people go to extreme measures to receive the present that they desire. So I wanted to, I used Black Friday to illustrate how people prepare for and anticipate the day in order to receive the present that they desire. But how much more should we prepare for and anticipate the greatest gift that the world has ever known? What if this year the best present we receive is not going to be under the tree. No, the best present that we will ever receive is simply his presence in our lives. So please stand while I share with you our scripture for today. Uh, it's found in Isaiah verse seven through, or chapter 7, verse 14, and then again in Matthew chapter 1, 23 through, or 22 and 23. <clears throat> Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23 says, All this took place that it might, be, might fulfill which the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which when, tra when translated means God with us. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, grant us the ability to desire your presence in our lives. God, you sent your only Son to us long ago to be received by us as the greatest gift one could ever ask for. Lord, 
We ask that in a world where there are so many options for gifts this year, we ask that we are mindful as Christians to acknowledge that you and your presence is the greatest gift and the only gift we will ever need. Amen. You can sit down. <clears throat> so, Christmas is only 17 days away. How many of you are done with your shopping? A few of you are done with your shopping. I think we might have two or three gifts purchased already, so I think in the next couple weeks we're going to be uh, pretty busy preparing for Christmas morning. I still look forward to the expression on our kids' faces as they come down the stairs following a trail of bows that starts at their bedroom doors and leads to the Christmas tree. Just to see the excitement and the smile on their face and what could be inside all those beautifully wrapped presents. I believe some of my greatest memories are from Christmas Day, both as a kid and as an adult. One of the main reasons we have the custom custom of giving and receiving presents at Christmas is that it's symbolic of the presents given to Jesus by the wise men, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gold given on that day was to represent and acknowledge that Jesus is the King of Kings. The frankincense, at the time, a very special and expensive oil, was sometimes used in worship services, and it was to represent that people would worship Jesus as Savior. And the myrrh, myrrh was a perfume, and it was used in the embalming process and put on bodies to make them smell better. And this was symbolic of the fact that Jesus would suffer and die for us. So Christmas itself is really about the big and best present that God gave the world over 2,000 years ago, and that present is Jesus. One of the well-known Bible verses is John 3.16, and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus was God's gift for all mankind. God gave Jesus to us a sacrifice for us, so that we will have everlasting life, in his presence someday. How great a gift is this? So throughout the Bible, Jesus is given many names. The name Jesus itself means God saves. Jesus is God's salvation for us. Messiah means anointed one. Jesus is our king. Jehovah Jireh means God who provides. And in our scripture today, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. God longs to be in your presence. And from the very beginning, he was with us. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. God revealed himself to Noah, and he told him about the impending flood. God revealed himself to Abraham on several occasions, and also to his son Isaac. In Genesis 26, 24, that night the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Jacob received personal visits from God several times. 
And the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream. God asked Moses to go back to Egypt. And at first, Moses didn't want to go. But God said, I will be with you. And in Exodus, when Moses was leading the people out of Egypt, God was present with them in the desert as they crossed the desert in the form of a cloud to guide them and shield them from the heat during the day and as a pillar of fire by night to give them light. And as Joshua took over and led the people into the promised land, God said to Joshua in Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The Lord also appeared to Gideon, Samuel, David, Elijah, and Isaiah throughout the Old Testament. But what about the New Testament? Can we find examples there of God's presence or God being with people? Obviously, the Lord was with people throughout the incarnate life of Jesus. Now, incarnate is just a, just a, a big word for Jesus in the flesh, Jesus in human form. So, so the Lord was with the people throughout the incarnate life of Jesus. God took on flesh when he sent Jesus to dwell here on earth. And Jesus personally spent time with his disciples as well as many other people. He was in the flesh, performing the miracles, and teaching the multitudes of people, both Jew and Gentile alike. He was teaching them the truth. And after his death and resurrection, he appeared to many people before his ascension into heaven. The New Testament talks about Jesus personally speaking to the Apostle Paul, then known as Saul, in Acts chapter 9, verses 4 and 6. While Saul was on the road to Damascus, he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? Then the reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Also in Acts, God personally appeared to Peter in a vision to show him that the Gentiles were to be allowed in the New Testament church. And Jesus appears to a group, a whole group of believers after his resurrection at a church in Antioch. And in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 says, He revealed himself to John while he was on the Isle of Patmos. So we can see that both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God is personally revealing himself in spirit and in flesh to those he loves and are called according to his purpose. You see, God desires to be with us, and he longs for us to be in his presence. And from Genesis to Revelation, God looked or wanted to be with man, leading and teaching us, as every good parent does. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus' last words with his disciples before his ascension into heaven were, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And this is his promise for us today as well. 
Emmanuel, God with us. When you become a believer and you accept Jesus into your heart, you're not ever alone, as the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit now dwells in you. So wherever we are, God is present with us. There are days when we, we may not feel his presence, but that doesn't mean that he's not there. And as we learned last week and sang about it today in the song Trade in My Sorrows, we may be pressed, not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond the curse, for his promise will endure, and his joy is going to be my strength. You see, God is always present. He has been, is now, and always will be present in your life. All that's required from us is to believe and to follow. There once was an, there once was an old shoe cobbler who dreamed on Christmas Eve that Jesus was going to come visit him the next day. And the dream was so real, he was convinced that it would come true. So the next morning, he got up, walked out, and he cut a bunch of green pine branches, and he decorated his little shoe shop and got ready for Jesus to come and visit. He was so sure that Jesus was going to come that he just sat down and waited for him. The hours passed, and Jesus didn't come. But an old man came inside for a moment to get out of the winter cold. As a cobbler talked to him, he noticed the holes in the man's shoes, and he noticed that he had bruised feet. So he reached up on the shelf and got him a pair, new pair of shoes. And he made sure that they fit right and that his socks were dry, and he sent him on his way. But still he waited for Jesus, and Jesus didn't come. An old woman came, though, and the woman, who had not had a decent meal in two days, she sat and visited for a while, and then he prepared some food for her to eat. He gave her a nourishing meal and sent her on her way. He sat down again to wait for Jesus, and he heard a little boy crying out on the, in front of his shop. And he went out and talked to the little boy and discovered that the boy had been separated from his parents and he couldn't find his way home. So the cobbler put on his coat and took the boy by the hand and led him home. When he came back to his little shop, it was almost dark, and the streets were emptied of people. And then, in a moment of despair, he lifted his voice to heaven and said, O oh Lord Jesus, why didn't you come? And then, in a moment of silence, he seemed to hear a voice say, O oh, shoe cobbler, lift up your heart. I kept my word. Three times I knocked on your front door. Three times my shadow fell across your floor. I was the man with the bruised feet. I was the woman you gave to eat. And I was the boy in the homeless street. Jesus had come, but the cobbler just didn't realize it. In this short story by Melvin Newland, we see how excited the cobbler was about a dream he had on Christmas Eve that Jesus was coming the next day to be with him. He got up in the morning and was so excited, and he prepared 
for the arrival of Jesus. His excitement that Christmas morning was much like the excitement that people all over the world have on Christmas Day. People young and old like to receive gifts. Even if you're more of a giver of gifts, from time to time, you like to be on the receiving end of one. And like the cobbler in the story, today, children, more so than adults, or perhaps not, dream on Christmas Eve of what or how many presents await them under the tree Christmas morning. Do you remember in the poem, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas," the children were snuggled, all snug in their beds, while vis visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. The children were dreaming. They were dreaming of what gifts were under the tree for them in the morning. Have you been there? So excited about a certain gift that you were hoping to receive on Christmas morning? Anybody in here remember a young gentleman by the name of Ralphie? What movie is that from? Shout it out. Yeah. And what did Ralphie want so much in that movie? A Red Ryder BB gun, right? He wanted that BB gun so bad for Christmas, that's all he could think about. And he went to great lengths. I mean, he put magazines with the ad opened up in his mom's, I don't know, good housekeeping magazine and in his dad's newspaper. And, and what did they tell him all the time? You shoot your eye out, kid, right? That's a great movie. We gotta, you got to watch that every year. <clears throat> so do, you, do your kids ever act this way or have you ever acted this way? I know I do, especially if there might be a new trail camera under my tree on Christmas morning. Or perhaps a new pair of hiking boots that I've been putting off buying for myself in hopes that they'll be waiting for me under the Christmas tree. You see, I got tennies on and it's December. Usually I have more in boots by now, but maybe this year I'll get that. <laughs> hint, hint. The joy that we experience is awesome, and it needs to be recognized as a gift from God, a blessing, blessings from heaven. The cobbler in today's story, for the most part, he got it right. He dreamed about Jesus on Christmas Eve, and that Jesus would be coming to give him a gift the next day. And that gift would be that Jesus is coming, Emmanuel, God with us is coming to be in his presence to meet with him the next day. But the cobbler was so caught up in his dream that he missed Jesus when he did visit him that day. Three times the cobbler took the time to meet the needs of the brokenhearted. Three times Jesus, in the form of love, was present with that cobbler that day. But the cobbler was so caught up in what he wanted and how he wanted Christmas Day to go that he missed the presence of Christ in his life that morning. There are times in life that we get so caught in something and so excited about one thing or another that we literally cannot see the forest through all the trees. We are bombarded at Christmas time with ad upon ad of the latest and greatest or new, improved this or that that's available to us. Or, if you're Disney, you decide to release a movie every year at this time. And Frozen 2 was their choice this year. I went to see it. And before the movie, they have ads marketing all the toys that go along with that movie. Probably for like 
10 minutes of ads. And not only toys, they have clothes, backpacks, school supplies, and food with the Frozen theme. These businesses know how to appeal to our worldly desires. I mean, you don't have to look at Disney for that. Look at how many releases of the new, latest, and greatest iPhone that they release every year around this time. Or a computer, or iPad, or, or a Samsung, you know. I mean, time marches on. Uh, you know, you purchase this stuff, and uh, you, you get so much. And uh, time marches on. And the gift that you received may soon break, or just sit in a corner, or in a closet, or in a toy box until it finds its way to your garage sale next summer, or maybe to Goodwill next fall, in order so that you can make room for the next best thing. Is there any truth to that? I know there is in my house. Things were not made to last forever for a reason. We bought stuff that doesn't even make it out of our living room on Christmas morning. Or it breaks while unwrapping it. It's happened. And then where are you the next day? You're disappointed. And you're standing in a long line to return it the day after Christmas. I'm pretty sure you've all been there. I love Christmas morning. I love to give more than to receive and to see the joy and the excitement on each one of my loved ones' faces as they open their gifts. It's good stuff. And it's a blessing from God to be able to give and receive gifts. But brothers and sisters, as Christians, we know, or we should know, that there's so much more to Christmas. And not everybody knows this. People don't know Jesus. I mean, look around. How many empty seats are in here today? And I don't think it's any different at the church up the road or the church across town. There's empty seats in every church. So people don't know Jesus, and they don't know that there's more to Christmas than just material objects placed in beautifully wrapped boxes under the tree. Yes, there's so much more. You see, what if you woke up Christmas morning to no presents under your tree? Maybe you've been there, or maybe that's the situation you're in this year. What if the only present you receive on Christmas morning is God's presence in your life this year? Emmanuel, God with us the greatest gift one could ever receive. Given to us by God on that first Christmas morning a little over 2,000 years ago. That's the greatest gift anyone in here has ever received. Years ago, or maybe they still do, Kodak used to use in one of its commercials a catchphrase. Anybody know that catchphrase? It's used in Christmas Vacation movie too. It's the gift that keeps on giving. This is what we get when we have God's presence in our life. We get a gift, an unchanging and everlasting gift. A gift of peace, of joy, and protection. And we receive an inheritance in Christ. There is no greater gift, and there never will be. 
And you know what is the best thing about this gift? This greatest gift? Is that it's 100% shareable. There's always more than enough of God's love present to be shared. So I encourage you to be intentional to look for God's presence in all things this year, Christmas Day. But not, not only then, look for his presence every day and in everything because he is with us. Sorry. Because he is with us and he is all we need. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, however, your ears are open and you're feeling like you'd like to receive the gift of Jesus this Christmas season, you can come and ask me to pray with you after the service. Or you can raise your hand in the seat that you're sitting in right now. And somebody, one of our brothers and sisters in here, will come sit with you and pray with you. And you can even write it down on the yellow sheet that's in the seat backs in front of you. And somebody will contact you, welcome you to the family, and tell you that you're loved. But if you need to receive God's presence, maybe more of God's presence, or you need to be pointed in the right direction, or at least prayed for, you can come to the altar during this last song, and myself or somebody else will pray with you for God's presence in your life and pray for you to receive him as Lord and Savior, the greatest gift you will ever receive.